This is News Talk 980 CKNW. 6.46 on a Sunday morning. That means it's time to check in with Rick Forchak. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. And we're talking about three films, and I must uh, fully admit I know nothing about any of them. And you won't. <laughs> and you won't, and neither will most people. So I'm um, a little reluctant to even talk about them, but I will just so that you know that these are movies. <laughs> uh, the first one is The Disaster Artist, and it's in limited release. It plays nowhere else at this point in Western Canada other than Vancouver. Now, despite the fact that it's getting rave reviews in the U.S., I'm afraid the entire concept leaves me cold. It stars James Franco and his brother Dave as a pair of real-life filmmakers, Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau, who met in an acting class and decided to make the definitive American movie. That's something called The Room, back in 2003, not to be confused with the Academy Award-winning Room for a couple of years ago. Now, this one played in just one theater for just two weeks. But it's developed a small and vocal cult following, and the film, which follows James Franco, uh, he also directed it, by the way, is essentially the film about the making of that film, and it's a bad movie. So this is a bad movie about the making of a really bad movie, uh, in much the same fashion that Johnny Depp played director Ed Wood, who made some dreadfully bad movies in the 1950s. So The Room is one of those that's so bad it's good, meaning it's hammy, camp, and followed by bands of fanatics. There's nothing wrong with the acting here. There's nothing wrong with the direction. In fact, executive producer Seth Rogen, who also has a role in the film, has put together a sterling cast and crew. It's just that as an event in movie history, other than appealing to a few insiders and those who idolize the two actors, this is pretty small, and I don't think most regular people will get it. I did not. Uh, Alison Brie, Zac Efron, Megan Mullally, uh, Sharon Stone, Danny McBride, even J.J. Abrams all show up. That's part of the inzy nature of the story. The rating is 18A. It's kind of hard to find. And um, if you don't know about it, you don't have to care. <laughs> all right. We will move on from that one then to uh, another Wolf Cop. Yeah, equally bad, maybe worse. Uh, this is a low-budget follow-up to 2014's Wolf Cop. Uh, who ever saw that? Uh, it's filmed in Lumsden, Saskatchewan. And once again, it offers up the kind of mindless gore and violence that's campy rather than horror-driven. It'll appeal to those who still wish there were midnight drive-in movies. It's about an alcoholic small-town cop who transforms into a werewolf. Uh, it's as Canadian as Peter Mansbridge and as hokey as a Trailer Park Boys film festival. The first one made money, so here we go again. Uh, this one only played Friday night in Cineplex Theatres at 10 p.m. It wasn't on their schedule last night. It's not there tonight. It's an 18A rating. I don't think you'll ever see this again. <laughs> Uh, so we can just move on. All right. Uh, and now I fear I, I lied a bit. I have heard about two billboards outside Ebbing, Minnesota, and mainly because uh, Frances McDormand is a well-known actress. So I have heard of this film, but not a whole lot. Yeah, well, this is a most unusual and very dark film written and directed by Britt Martin McDonough. This is the guy who did In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. It's his first feature film not to star Colin Farrell. It's set in early 2002 in the small town of Ebbing, Missouri. We learn on that on uh, Mildred, uh, Mildred is the main character here, Frances McDormand, we learn that her teenage daughter had been murdered some months before, and that the local police department, headed by the town's beloved chief of police, Willoughby, played by Woody Harrelson, has been able to do nothing to solve the case. Mildred, divorced from a husband, now living with a 19-year-old girl, and still caring for her teenage son, decides to sell off some of her meager assets to rent three billboards. On each, she outlines the violent death her daughter suffered, as the billboard says, raped while killed, and it ends with the last billboard asking the question, what now, Chief Willoughby? 
The townsfolk are incensed. They love Willoughby, a family man with two young daughters, and they hate to see his reputation besmirched. When a regional television news show arrives to do a story on the billboards, things escalate quickly. Mildred is a target, the police hate her, most townspeople hate her, and even the classmates at her son's high school hate her. Initially, we think this is a murder mystery in which we'll identify suspects and watch Mildred, haggard and used up, try to catch the killer. Well, that's not what happens. It's a bleak character study that looks at her motivation and through some flashbacks, some of the relationship with her dead daughter. It has its peaks and valleys. Uh, Willoughby has been keeping a secret about his health. Dixon, one of his cops, played by Sam Rockwell, is a bigoted racist mama's boy. And the story plays out, and as it plays out, it appears that nothing will end well for anyone. The language is dreadful, and one, one might expect this from a town full of redneck, marginally educated Southerners. And the story arc takes us to a place we might never have expected to be. It's hard to watch, it's intense, but in the end, it is a brilliantly made film. Not for everybody. The rating is 18 A, Joe. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, the various streaming services. Yeah, well, Netflix has got uh, Barbara Streisand uh, in a special called Barbara. She doesn't do much television these days. She appears in this 90-minute live concert from Miami. At age 74, she is still right at the top of her game. She chats with the audience. She offers up superb renditions of The Way We Were, Don't Rain on My Parade, People, and many others. This is a Netflix original that is truly superb, Jill. All right. And uh, we have Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe in State of Play from 2009. Pretty good movie. Uh, He's Cal McCaffrey, a hard-boiled Washington, D.C. journalist who sees a conspiracy behind every tree. When a small-time thief is gunned down in an alley, and when a congressional aide is pushed in front of a train, McCaffrey connects these apparently unrelated events and finds a tie between them that leads to corporate and government cover-ups to murder and worse. A good cast shows up for the mystery thriller, including Ben Affleck, Rachel McAdams, Helen Mirren, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis, and Jeff Daniels. It'll keep you on the edge right to the very end. The rating's 14A, that's State of Play. And I'll mention quickly as well on Netflix, The Girl from the Song. This is a current movie. Uh, Burning Man is a psychedelic festival and a celebration of the arts that takes place each year in the Nevada desert. It's been going on for 31 years now, and people come from all over the world to bring their own unique talents and share them selflessly. Uh, we have Eric, played by Louis Rayner, as a musician who's fallen for a girl that he hardly knows. He follows her to Burning Man to let her know how he feels. <clears throat> now, this is actually a student film, a film school project, which, when completed, got some distribution. It is very odd, and really only if you're a Burning Man follower would you want to see it. It's a 14A rating, but it is kind of odd. It's uh, the girl from the song. All right, a bit different. Uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, First Flights with Neil Armstrong. This is from 1991. It's a series. It's 26 years old. It started streaming on Amazon. I quite like it because I'm an airplane guy. Um, Armstrong, of course, the first man to set foot on the moon, has been dead for almost five years. Aviation buffs will want to catch each season of the three that Amazon is offering, in which Armstrong introduces special eras of aviation and sometimes flies the planes that he's profiling, from the old Jenny biplanes that delivered the mail in post-World War I America to the first jet trainers, such as the T-33 Silver Star, that set the tone for the jet age. I know it's for a specific market, but if you like planes, you will love this 
All right. That sounds like an interesting one as well. Uh, good old-fashioned TV. Yeah, there is stuff on old-fashioned TV. Uh, Beyond Famous, Canada's Walk of Fame 2017. We have uh, Eric McCormick and Will and Grace, sometime Vancouver resident, uh, hosting a look at 19 years of inducting famous Canadians into the Walk of Fame with interviews, clips, and commentary on such folks as Anne Murray, Brian Adams, Gordon Pinsent, uh, many, many others. Uh, that is on Global tonight, Jill. And for a trip back in the Wayback Machine, Carol Burnett 50th Anniversary Special. In 1967, 33-year-old Carol Burnett started her series on CBS that would make household names out of her supporting cast of the late Harvey Corman, handsome Lyle Wagoner, Vicki Lawrence, and Tim Conway. She sat atop the ratings for 11 years before voluntarily deciding to move on to other things. At age 84, she's still active, still working, and only too happy to celebrate with as many of her old cast as possible. Uh, Tim Conway was ill during the show's taping, but Wagoner and Lawrence show up, and we get a lot of clips from the way things used to be during the days when a hit show such as this was one that almost everybody watched who was watching TV. That's on CBS Tonight, Jill. All right, that'll be an interesting one for sure. Uh, Rick, thank you so much. We will chat with you next weekend. Thanks, Jill. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.